This is a podcast with KP and Jem where we talk all about travel with our friends, how we bumped our heads and how we scraped our legs and how in the hell did we wind up dead global mishaps. Come and join the ride, we've got a whole heap of funny weird stuff inside, kidnaps, proposals and all of that. So come on in and let's have a chat, yeah. Welcome back to Global Mishaps, the podcast where we chat about the things that have gone wrong during our travels. Where what could go wrong has gone wrong. I'm KP. And I'm Jem. Welcome to episode three. Minsk, Moscow and multiple AK-47s. So for context, folks, we have, we've travelled pretty extensively. I think, you know, we've hit up 48 countries, 48 different countries between us, but I think, you know, we're sitting at over 30 each-ish. And to stipulate, counting a country is not a layover. <laughs> it is not a layover. We must leave the airport. Leave the airport and have, you know, a few, at least above 12 hours. we got to have some experiences out there. Absolutely. But whenever we, we do, so for, you know, our socials and stuff, we did have to kind of do a bit of a review of where we've been. And every time I forget that you've been to Belarus. I didn't even realise I was going to Belarus. <laughs> I only realised when I was going to Belarus was when I got to Belarus and I wasn't, the flight was not continuing <laughs> into the motherland that was Moscow. Yes. Yeah, so you're on your way to Russia, but we had a mishap. We had a mishap. We had a mishap with probably three S's, not just one. <laughs> And this time around, as I as I know that I used to travel a lot of the time on my own, this time I convinced, convinced one of my friends to join me. And he really doesn't like going out of the house. So yeah, I not a big traveller. Don't know how I convinced <laughs> him to go to firstly the coldest part of the Arctic Circle, mm. which will come up at another time, but then to transfer ourselves into Russia. Now, this was before everything changed in the world with Russia. This was when Smart Traveller said that Russia was a, a medium risk, not a <laughs> catastrophic risk to enter into. Which is really our comfort zone, I think. You know, we don't. Whenever I go to a, a Smart Traveller country that is like in the green. Yeah, like, who travels on green? <laughs> I think Japan is. I'm looking forward to a safe holiday. <laughs> but to be honest, I've questioned if I'm colorblind because <laughs> I think I've just read red or seen red and just assumed that, oh, it's green. It's green to travel there. Absolutely. But here I was convincing someone who I love dearly to come with me into the motherland that is Russia. We had booked our tickets from Finland. We had a ticket that said Moscow on it. I, I shit you not, KP. It said <laughs> it said Finland to Moscow. It, it said, I can't even remember what the capital town of Finland is. Helsinki. Helsinki. <laughs> I had a ticket from Helsinki to Moscow that's what my ticket said. There was nothing on it that said, hey, just FYI, we're going to stop in Belarus. And I think I hadn't even registered that there was going to be a, a concern of mine because that at that time, my concern was being ushered onto the tarmac and actually walking onto the smallest plane I've ever seen in my life. Mm, always a good vibe. It was a propeller plane. 
I've never seen a propeller plane before. And it was what? so small that we thought that the pilot was going to have to come out and like crank <laughs> the propellers and get the plane going because there was maybe only 40 people on board, which should have been my red flag here. Sure, I guess. But like we trust the system, right? We trust the system. And, you know, Australia is a big country, so we couldn't afford to fly on a propeller plane. This was only a few hours away, so, you know, you just assume you assume the best. I've been on propeller planes here. Okay. Yeah. Good. Like, you know, my, my work takes me to strange places. That is true. Maybe I just need to travel more of Australia. Maybe I need to... Outback Australia. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. So I'm on this plane. I'm with my friend. The flight's normal. There's nothing to report. And then we land, and we land so far back from any building in... <laughs> In, at that point, you couldn't even see where you are. It's nighttime. Yeah. It's about midnight. It's dark. It's cold. It's snowing. Sure, we've been into worse. We've flown into much worse. But then the plane stops and these guards <laughs> get on to the front of the plane. And it's like they knew our seat allocation because they didn't scan the seats they just could smell us. They like beelined. For they you. beelined for us, so they'd identified that we were the only two foreigners on this plane. So they came after you guys because you're Aussie. We have or no like idea. Because, yeah. No one could speak English. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so we'd landed, and we'd been ushered off the plane last, <laughs> with surrounded by four guards that had these guns, these massive machine guns or AK-47s, right? It looked like something off Call of Duty. (laughs) I was trying to maintain a sense of calm and then also looking out for my friend who doesn't like to leave the suburb of Cheltenham, let alone be in an unknown town that we've flown into. Yeah, it is a weird thing, right? Like, obviously, I haven't had this experience, but when you travel with someone that is less comfortable or less experienced like it is this weird sense of responsibility right oh, i turned into mother Gemma, <laughs> which like we're mother Gemma at the best of times yeah, let alone in, in the middle of nowhere about to be detained yeah absolutely so i we've gone in as we're walking away we we start naturally following the line of people who got off the plane with us albeit they were in front of us but we got pushed into an opposite direction into almost one of those standalone cubicles that we used to go to class in because our school couldn't afford a new building. Ah, It was dark. There was no, not really any lights. Everything was very shallow. And we just got told, sit down. That was it. And I said, I just said, Moscow. And the guy looked at me, the guard looked at me as if I was crazy. And he just spat back Belarus at me. (laughs) I turned to my mate and I just said to him, when did we get on the wrong flight? Like, we're meant to be in Moscow. We're not meant to be halfway. We've got a whole second journey. We're not meant to be here. My ticket, again, showing the ticket to the guard, <laughs> not meant to be here, not meant to be here, and trying not to be racist because, you know, you know, sometimes we do that. If we know someone doesn't speak English. We're like, not here. Yeah, we not shout in at country. them, right? yeah. We get really loud and we <laughs> very point pointy and things and we put in full stops where full stops don't exist. <laughs> So I had said to Tim, we need to be careful. I just turn into this person that, you know, we've got this situation, whereas in my head, much like you, I was screaming. I was like, no. No. I said to him, Tim, the one thing that we just need to make sure of and the one thing that my father, who hadn't as travelled as much as I had, but the one thing my father had told me since I was a young traveller, 
Never give anybody your passport. <laughs> it is a great rule to live by. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way, does it? So three armoured guards who You're were gonna... <laughs> hands above the holsters came up. The one English word they knew was passport. Mm. And the one reaction I had without a blink of an eye was, yes, of course. I, <laughs> I pulled mine out of my pocket and reached over, didn't even look at Tim and just gave him both of our passports. I feel like in that situation, like when faced with it, I feel like if we were going to rephrase what, you know, Papa Jem was going to give us advice about, um, it would be, Never give up your passport unless the person has a machine gun. Unless the person has a machine gun and you're in a communist country. Yeah. Like or a you... country you didn't know you were going to be in. Yeah. 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 So we handed over all of our documents. The people were gone. They, they, it's almost like they just went home. They, like, shift ended. <laughs> see you later. Two foreigners in the hall, but we've taken their passports. They can't go anywhere. Done. And we sat there for a good hour. Mm-hmm. No one around us. And then a woman, now an armoured woman, an armed woman, but a woman in a military uniform comes out. She's probably the one that can speak the most English, so she can form two words together. And she says to me something that I couldn't understand that was, I think, an attempt at my language. Yeah. And pushes these documents forward and hands me a pen. And the documents are in Russian. And by that point, I was like, this is an organ harvest consent form. (laughs) I love that you think that organ harvesting will have consent. Yeah. 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 I was clearly. Please sign here for your kidneys. Yeah. Yeah. Would you mind? Please and thank you, Russian government. Again, what I'm hearing, a a common theme with your stories, is we could really use Liam Neeson. We could really lose. We could lose him. We could lose him, use him, and abuse him. But here we are. Uh, and, and I said to him, I, I said to my friend, we just have to sign these forms. They're giving us looks as if we have no option. I did ask the lady for an interpreter by the use of the word interpreter. <laughs> did you shout it at her <laughs> so she would understand? With, with full stops in the syllables. In- interpreter. Perfect. She didn't get more angry by hearing that. And she shook her head, pushed the pen more forward, more close to me, and said, pointed at the dotted line because there's always a dotted line on an organ organ harvest form of of the many times that we've completed them obviously (laughs) so i've signed it we've both signed it we've handed the form back and we assumed we were gonna have to wait another hour but she pulls like she pulls me up by the elbow stands me up in this hall tim goes to stand up he gets pushed down by a guard that's actually come behind him and i then realize we're about to be separated we're about to be separated without our passports <laughs> with armored people allegedly in belarus <laughs> apparently in minsk i couldn't turn on my my instagram story location sensor because i didn't even have my phone you know i had no luggage on me my our carry-on baggage everything was taken off us we yeah, were just wow. on just there with their clothes on our backs and i say to this woman we're together, we're travelling together, we must stay together. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no. No. Because what we, what we do know about organ harvesting is that you want to do your patients separately in different rooms for, for I sterility. Mean, yeah, true. Yeah. True. And, you know, there's just an element of separating them, the, the prisoners oh. that you have so that they don't share stories, <laughs> I guess. God, how scary. So, wow. Well, we... 
I'm being ushered out into a different connecting building. And Tim recalls this so clearly. He said, at that point, I I knew, he's like, I leant back in my chair to get the longest glimpse of you because I knew it was going to be the last time I saw you because I knew that you were going to be sold as a sex slave and that I was going What a in, compliment. I know. <laughs> and that I was going into some camp to basically just, like, work for the, work for the man. Yeah. And he genuinely had that concern. I only just found out this the last couple of weeks because we were speaking about it, but we got separated and that's when it got really scary. Yeah. Um, but as it turned out, we were just assumed to be a very dodgy looking group because no one travels to Minsk at midnight. <laughs> uh, no one gets on a propeller plane who's from Australia with a six foot something, you know, white guy <laughs> thought to probably be my drug lord. Ah, yeah. But weren't aware of that at the time. Yeah. So I go in and I've actually not realised until that point in time that we've rejoined. Well, I've rejoined. He's all the way behind me. <laughs> Don't know if he's coming through. But I've joined the safety in a way of the people I've just gotten off the flight to do the connecting to Moscow. Yeah. But I am made to... I'm behind a glass panel. So if you can imagine the terminal is actually like split in the middle. Yeah. And there's just one glass panel. So you're like the dog in the pet store where you can see the wild on the other side and the general public. It's so close. It's so close. They had open cafes. They could access coffee. I was in this dark, dingy, you know, Southland when it's closed down at nighttime (laughs) and all those guarded fences are up. I'm on the other side of that because they didn't want me to mingle with the general public. Of course. So they had me sectioned off for four hours. Did you get your stuff back? No. Gone. Hadn't gotten my passport, nothing. I, I was just me still. Couldn't get in touch with Tim. No phones, no nothing. Yeah. So I sat there and he rejoined me. Within that four-hour wait, he was with me maybe two hours after. So there was a good two hours where I had no idea if he was still in the airport, still in Minsk. Yeah. Where he was, what was going on for him. So I was a failure as a friend. (laughs) So what was happening for him this whole time? So he was just, they just tried to keep us apart for as long as possible. So he was just kept in that room and then he went through sort of a weird customs as well, signed some forms, signed some extra forms potentially, Mm. um, which he doesn't know what he was signing again. Bone marrow. Yeah, bone marrow, (laughs) deportation. (laughs) His firstborn. Yeah, all of the things. Um, he thinks that he was still completely awake and conscious the whole time, but we're not sure. I'm glad that we've clarified that. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, these we were pulled around to the other side. We were pulled into the general public and we were boarded last, but we at least boarded to the plane, like onto the plane for Moscow. So that's when we let our guard down. Like, Minsk was fucking horrible. We're not going back there. We're not going to holiday there. That was a bit wild. But as soon as we arrive, everything's going to be fine. So everything was not fine. Mm, Okay. This is not the end of the story. This was like, Minsk was a taste of what the Russian Federation was going to do to us. (laughs) And we were only there for a week. Wow. We were not there long, but a lot happened. And we got on the plane. Again, the flight was fine. We'd finally been trusted enough to not be watched by military guard and we could actually sit with one another. We made it to Moscow. Life is great. Guards get on the plane again. Round two. Jesus. 
we're ready at least to, you know, this is no surprise. This happened. Your old hands at this one, this point. Sure. Why didn't they get on earlier? I'm not (laughs) sure, really. And escorted off. We walk into what looks like an old terminal. And if I could explain it in the best way possible. So when you go through airport security in the 80s and it was. Yeah, good time for me. <laughs> Best nine months of the KP is m- nine like months of my an life. egg, and I'm a fully fledged human who's been already to university, but that's fine. So, you know, you've got your conveyor belt, there's no buckets or little tin things to put your belongings sure. in. It's just like stack it up on this conveyor belt. You've got the rubber strips, it goes through, you know, it meets you on the other side. Sure. They have a human version of that. So, Sorry, what? They kept him. Like, on the other wall against three now definitely armed guards. Okay. I have another man, a very, very tall one in Russian military uniform, armed twice over, who then doesn't say anything but just points at this human-sized conveyor belt X-ray machine. And and I thought it was my bag. So I was just like, well, this is excessively large. My bag is just a handbag. Okay, like if you must. And then I've put my bag down and he pushes me. He physically pushes me onto this conveyor belt. I'm lucky I just didn't sort of surge forward and fall yeah. into it. Like my immediate thought, because we know that I'm very uncoordinated, is that as soon as that conveyor belt moved, oh, I would have gone over. Legit. Yeah. If you can picture an immobile crab that doesn't move but essentially moves with that jerkiness due to a conveyor belt. Good. Not an image I ever thought I'd generate. Yeah. Yeah. The most awkward part of that is when you slowly have to stand so still that the conveyor belt's moving so slowly that when you get to the leather strap bit, it's just really awkward. (laughs) Because you can't use your hand. I did initially to try and, like, scoop it around like when you walk into a fish and chip shop. Yeah. Right? No, no, it was a full-blown, just let it happen. Let it slap you. And I was in a full x-ray machine that I now understand the trauma my bags have always gone through. Exactly right. Never before have we had such empathy for our stuff. No. And you know what? I never really understood why I went through it because when I was conveyor belted and shuffled and had to stand so still on the other side and was eventually summoned off it by a woman who worked obviously at the airport but she she was very much patting me down in areas that I wasn't expecting oh, wow it's always nice when you get a little bit of intimacy in the airport security I know. line I should have taken note of it but at the <laughs> same time that was that was Tim really missed out let's just say that oh he got none of that he got none of that oh how upsetting but you know why because I'm the woman and I'm probably Oh. The one that would have swallowed all the drugs. You're in. the mule. I'm the mule. Oh, congratulations. You're I'm the mule. So when they realised... This is some they... patriarchal bullshit, by the way. Lord, I know. <laughs> when they finally realised I had, I didn't have 27 condoms full of cocaine in my abdomen, they, they sort of let us out of the airport. And by that stage, after that moment in time and after the Minsk experience, I said to him... Our driver that we'd hired, he's got to be here. We just need to get out. Like, our hotel's just going to be nice. It's going to be really close to the Red Square. We just need to get out. So we found our driver. Our driver looked homeless. But at this stage, we weren't allowing any surprises to be, you know, different. 
And he walked us out. He just looked really grungy. He looked like Zach Galifianakis <laughs> in The Hangover when he was hungover. Oh, yeah. Okay. Really dreary. And he walked us out. Did he have a, a satchel as well? He didn't have the satchel. <laughs> he didn't have the satchel or the baby. Oh, that's sad. But he had an element of grunge and unkept, mm-hmm. unshowered, unhygienic. I can see it, yeah. Yeah. Big coat, snowing. Of course. He drops us off and like at he, like this black Mercedes. We thought he was going to hotwire it. That's how that's how dodgy <laughs> he looked. We thought he was just going to pack us in, do a look around, hotwire the car, and we'd be off. Normal Russia, of course. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is there's been multiple occasions in which you thought your organs were at risk, and my drivers were normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and intact, no scars yet, nothing. Interesting. So. He and I, Tim and I get in the back of the car because this one's functional. Oh. <laughs> and we just win. And then we get, this guy climbs in and it was a diff. it felt like it was a different guy. It was a tuxedo suit. It was slicked back hair. It was a set of headphones on his head. It was Zach Galifianakis, like not the actual actor, same driver. But, but what- he's had a bit of a zhu. But he took his big hobo jacket off and must have slicked his fingers through his moist <laughs> I'm really glad you said moist just then. <laughs> and got in the car. Wow. And then was just so socially inept that he put his, his you know, good old noise cancelling headphones on. Oh, wow. I, I was picturing earmuffs, but no, they no, were full on. No, oh. they were full. We he was like, I don't want to hear these people. I don't want to engage. And didn't listen to us and then drove. Okay, maybe this is what Russian people are. I mean, I've got a few Russian friends, but... Maybe sure. the natives are just different. Maybe. Maybe this guy just, he just had a, he had a hard day. He maybe had a really hard day, considering <laughs> it was 6am in the morning. But that's fine. <laughs> we went with it. No judgment. And we turned down, it just becomes really evident, I think, KP, in Russia, it is, it is like all gold statues, all wealth, and you turn one corner and it's totally poverty yeah, well. and it is violent crime and it is any time of the week and it just happens and we turned down one of those alleys okay and he locked all the doors and i was thinking that we were actually close to our accommodation because i saw the street sign as we were driving in Uh which looked remotely like what we were sure booked into and his english was great because the one and only thing he said to us when we pulled up is I'm not getting out of the car because someone will steal it. I've popped the boot. You get your luggage and you go in and point it at this, like, <laughs> massive stainless steel wow. gate. So Zach Galifianakis was not vibing your hotel. He was not vibing our hotel. And really, on his merit, he should have just cancelled the booking <laughs> if he was not comfortable dropping us off He's there. a professional, you know? He Well, up until that moment. <laughs> up until that moment, he was a professional. So we didn't want to put Zach Galifianakis off. So we decided that if it was unsafe for him, it must be really safe for us to get out of the car. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's sound logic. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) And mind you, we hadn't showered. We'd come off the back of of camping in the Arctic and we really had to... You've been in Belarus. We'd been in Belarus. You've lost a kidney. I've had no half the organs that I had when I started this trip. (laughs) And when I'm walking up to the gate, and I go to press the doorbell to get us inside this hotel. And I'm like, why isn't this working? Pressing, pressing. Tim's like, because that's a bullet hole. 
So no yeah. wonder there was no ring a ding dingling. No. I was the ring a ding dingling. You yeah yeah. Yeah. So we quickly moved because we didn't want to be a new bullet hole in the back because mm-hmm. if they were there and Zach Galifianakis wouldn't get out of the car. God knows who was watching us from the tall buildings that were around us. Yeah, okay. So we pulled around into the block, realised that the hotel was between Russian hooters. Gorgeous. And probably the equivalent of the strip clubs in King Street, sort of all mixed mixed around. Minsk is on the mind. (laughs) Mixed (laughs) into the sort of our, the front door of our hotel okay so you've got free like you've got entertainment close by that's what i'm hearing i mean for tim yeah for yeah. sure well for sure. On, don't limit yourself i know but <laughs> i was already a bit cautious <laughs> and so in we go into the lobby this man comes out that looks like dracula black jet Wonderful. hair pale i'm describing myself but <laughs> like, yeah like what did he look like <laughs> yeah, yeah it was delightful and we checked in but we checked in again with english n- not english we checked in with other language we checked in with paper sign here thank you so much pay this money please take my credit card thankfully we had our passports back but we didn't have to lodge them and we went upstairs into the room and as soon as we get into the room a cockroach <laughs> runs across mm. the floor that was my cherry that's that's the point where you've had enough that's the point where i've had enough that's fascinating I know, but, like, it, it was really not going to take much. <laughs> it's like the straw that broke the camel's back absolutely, at this point. Yeah. Absolutely. It was like all it would have taken was for a leaf to blow the wrong way. Yeah, a slight dust in the corner. Yeah. 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 So we sat, I just remember us, we, we had twin beds. We were sitting opposite each other, but we actually couldn't speak anymore. We were so done. I've had that happen before. It's a, it's a time. <laughs> it is a time. I am on booking.com. He's on booking.com. And the thing that's really important to note and what blows my mind, and only a few countries do this, is it is law in Russia to notify them Mm. within a week of where you're going to be staying because you cannot make any last-minute moves. It is against the law. The Russian government will find you. You'll lose your other half of your organs. Wow. So I've made a call, forgetting this law, to the ritziest, wildest, expensive hotel that's bang on red square yeah. because it wasn't about location it was what screams wealth what screams tourists what screams no organ no organ harvesting and no detaining what screams availability yeah, somewhere no that most people can't afford yeah. yeah well of course so i give them a call i said look i'm an australian woman i am traveling with my friend i am really scared of where i'm staying right now i need your help and whatever angel with gotten on the phone speaks not only the most fluent English I've ever heard in my life but she's gone just get here and we'll sort something out that's all I needed to hear just get here and I'll sort something out great what would have been better is I will come and pick you up myself but that's a close second I'll send a car (laughs) clearly they're not going to send a car because they too know where we're staying (laughs) exactly no car is coming into this alley so we pack up and we have to form a very quick story on why we've just checked in about 30 minutes ago and, and now, now we're, we're checking out. Yeah. And we go downstairs and in our broken English Russian, because Google Translate, that doesn't exist at this time. Yeah. I've said to this man, because I'm a lot more outgoing than my friend, oh, the worst lie ever. You know how I am at lying. 
So my parents have surprised us and they've flown into Moscow. Very normal. Very normal. And they've got us a room at their hotel. So we actually can't stay. We don't need two rooms. And he looks at me. He's like, you're lying? Which is my good Russian accent. <laughs> and you're like, no! <laughs> Absolutely. The pitch went out. <laughs> no! No! <laughs> and then he put three pieces of paper, again, all in Russian in front of me. One of them was to sign the fact that I wouldn't give a bad review on TripAdvisor, which if that is already (laughs) pre-printed, that is a good sign. The second one was um, basically saying that I'm happy to not be refunded. And I said, you can keep. You can keep everything yeah. I've paid. In fact, here's my other kidney. Yeah, yeah. Please <laughs> Get take me out. all of everything I own. Have some naked photos. You know? <laughs> Please just take it everything that I have. And then the third one was acknowledging that he was going to report us to the Russian government for breaching law. Of course. So I faked that signature. Absolutely. Faked the passport number it wanted me to put on that same document mm. and the date and everything and the hotel I was going to. Made that all up. <laughs> Might have made the address of the hotel Tim's residential address. <laughs> I didn't promise. But we then had to walk. We then walked by, at that point, it was a winter's day. It was a weekend. There was nobody around. We were in a really dodgy district and we had to walk, albeit really the underground and then the other side. But there was about four different types of neighborhoods we walked through. Jeez. So you couldn't get a car or a taxi couldn't or Couldn't get a car, wow. couldn't get a taxi. No one was stopping. We were getting looked at. We had to keep everything really close. It was probably one of the most unsafest times Mm. that I've ever felt. And we were in clothes, again, that we hadn't washed, so we looked grubby. Yeah. (laughs) We smelt grubby. I was ready to cry, so I don't know about Tim. We turned up into this five-star accommodation in the middle of Red Square. People, there was obviously an event on because there was tuxedos, top hats. Mm, you would have blended tails. right in. <laughs> Here I am in my Kathmandu flannels. Yeah. And my mud-ridden shoes just strolling in to the reception. And they did the whole up-down look. Mm. And all I could say is, re- reservation for two. <laughs> I just called. <laughs> SOS was already written on my hand. <laughs> Absolutely. Help. And look, they were great. They, I mean, they were great because I handed them my, my Amex card that flashed money and yeah, they checked me in and it didn't Weird how decline. that happened. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but decline's different story. Yeah. But in we went. There were robes. It was room service. Mm. It was the 45-minute minimum shower. It was the life. But it was such an interesting start to Russia. And I don't think... There's not been many of my friends who have been there before. And I think it's just so interesting, firstly, that I didn't travel there by myself because I genuinely mm. think that something would have happened. But even in my experience with other tourists going through there, particularly one in the group, is there are a lot of their policemen are so corrupt. So if you're in Red Square, they will come up and ask to see your passport. And because they're police, you naturally give it to them and then they'll ask for money. Ah, yeah. So we were really mindful of that going into Red Square. We'd showered, we were intact, nothing else, surely nothing else could go wrong. (laughs) And we'd gone into Red Square and I was like, there's a queue. Let's just join the queue. Now, nowhere in the centre, like nowhere in history 
Is it ever documented? It's good to join a queue where you don't know it's got where you where the end point is going to be. Yeah, but I feel like it's like a it's a leftover of our British kind of heritage, right? We see queue, we join queue. Yeah, such a white <laughs> first world thing to do. Well, after all of these issues, you're probably like, ah, oh, the comfort of waiting in line. The comfort of waiting in line <laughs> in the Red Square against the wall of the Kremlin, where I can already identify eight different cameras that are focused in on sort of where our this on tour the was. exactly on the drug mules and what we hadn't known was we joined this tour and been guided in and downstairs right next to the kremlin into a vault so (laughs) i don't know why we just didn't we were at the back of the queue i don't know why we just didn't like abandon ship and go this seems sus considering everything else we'd gone through before yeah i love that after all of this you were like this this looks great this is this is normal it's getting darker but this is normal it's getting colder let's go underground (laughs) (laughs) let's do that so lo and behold it was stalin it was stalin's body oh okay yeah weird but it is so so he's mummified essentially. Yeah. And you are made to move very quickly through mm. this area. I've done this. Have you've been to Vietnam? I have. Did yeah. you go to Ho Chi Minh's body? Yes. Yes. But I'm not like a political person. No, and it, but it's a similar like I don't know. Yeah. I just I think again it's such a culturally different thing, right? It's not obviously something we do here, but it's so it's such a tourist attraction to go see these bodies. I feel like though when with Ho Chi Minh and your experience, you knew that you were walking into a dead man. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. I voluntarily did this. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea that I was walking in and I don't know much about history. So all I knew in my brain was, and I was ahead of Tim was I'm looking at a dead man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Like, obviously that's just another day at work for you. It is another day of work for me. Actually, no, because I wasn't in the, the oh, field of palliative space, care yeah. at that space yeah. at that time. So I was just looking at a dead man. And they are, again, heavily guarded military men. <laughs> and what is respectful, which we learned very quickly, is to not have any hats on. And I had taken mine off, my had my beanie off. But mm. Tim has less hair than I do. So sure. very much on. Guns pointed, as I've realised that there's a body, the guns go up. The Russian comes out. I don't speak Russian. Mother Jem doesn't speak Russian. I look around in a panic. I'm also in the dark. Underground. Underground. Maybe in Minsk again. (laughs) And it was very... They didn't give any gestures. They gave nothing. But Tim just started stripping. I started stripping. (laughs) You're like, well, we're not next to Russian Hooters anymore. (laughs) We learned. We learned how to do this. And until they put the guns down, we just kept stripping. Because <laughs> it's like, they'll stop. You know, it's like Simon Says, right? You'll stop yeah, when they course. say. Yeah. We came out. We went to a vodka museum. We got really drunk. We made it. We just made it through Moscow. We saw some epic architecture. Yeah. Their cathedrals are amazing. The Kremlin is a sense of intimidation that no words will ever explain. The, the city of Moscow and the city of St. Petersburg have so much history, but personally, I've been there. <laughs> You've had Twice a time. Over. <laughs> I've been there. I've ticked that bucket list. There's no natural wonders. Please, Lord Universe, do not make a man-made wonder that I have to go back to see. <laughs> but Russia was a time. 
Absolutely. And look, I think it's probably a good point to to say to our dear listeners, obviously we are highlighting the crappy things. There are lots of lovely things about these stories and these places that we've been to, but that's not going to make a very fun story, is it? So, um, but absolutely. Like, I think my nerves would have given out like four instances before that. Like, it would have just been like, you're done. Dissolve. <laughs> like, defy all laws uh, of nature. Maybe with doing this podcast, KP, you're starting to understand why my level of anxiety sometimes <laughs> and my level of reaction and, and squeals. Yeah. Where that comes from. And yet I still maintain the same amount of, um, <laughs> like, unbridled, unchecked confidence. Yeah. Despite all of the yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, what a vibe. What a story. What a vibe. What a story. And, you know, I credit to my Russian friends who I know still live in Russia. They're really lovely people. Um, <laughs> I just, it's just a very different world. And it's a, an experience that I think until you go to a country like that and you understand how countries can be so vastly different, yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to get it. But please, Lord, there's a reason why at the moment it's a red, red, red color on Smart Traveler. <laughs> Give it some time, maybe in the future. But Learn a bit of Russian. At least have it downloaded on your Google Translate yeah, team. Maybe the, at least the phrase organ harvest. Yeah. Exactly. Well, maybe no organ harvest. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> For your consent form. If you want to have a read of a bit more detail on this episode, please check out our website. It's Global Mishaps. So global, like the world, mishaps, M-I-S for sniper and S for Stalin, H A P S. Dot com. And if you want to find us on socials, we are on Instagram and TikTok at Global Mishaps and our website is globalmishaps.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and for anyone that does want to head to Russia, we'll be putting the uh, details of the Australian embassy in our blog post as well. Be careful out there, team, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.